things are usually our habit to introduce the speaker, and I suddenly remembered, maybe there's someone here who doesn't know this illustrious. Uh, Dr. Stephen McMullen is our academic dean here. He also is the professor of evangelism and mission, and uh, he is also an able researcher into the whole field of family violence, religion and family violence in particular. So, uh, Steve... We are pleased that you're here to bring the word to us this morning. And Thank you very much. Ask your blessing. Thank you. It's good to be able to uh, share today, and really I sort of um, pushed my way into the colloquium as to a sort of observer status because of my interest in what's going on. I think that uh, it's, it's really important work that they are doing, so we're glad to have those guests with us here today. And the focus... Among our guests this week is research about community chaplaincy. And just as I began to think about some themes uh, related to that, it brought to mind several things. And I think, first of all, of, well, the brokenness of people in our world, in other words, our brokenness, the good news of Jesus that provides hope, that there can be light where there was darkness, that there can be life where there was death, the call of Jesus to be people who, who love God supremely and who love our neighbors as ourselves, his commission to go and make disciples, to deny self and take up our cross, to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world, to serve others as he serves us. And in many cases, we're pretty good at following that call, aren't we? But on our own terms. Why we take time to love our neighbors ourselves from 7.45 p.m. to 8.15 p.m. every other Thursday. <laughs> it's scheduled. We carry our cross as long as the road is very smooth and the cross is really not heavy. We serve as long as we are appreciated for what we are doing. But I think we're not, often we are not very persistent. And as I think of the, the needs of people, I think of the importance of, of persistence. In a world of broken lives... If we're going to love our neighbors as ourselves, it will require persistence. If we're going to go and make disciples and baptize them and teach them, it will require persistence. And persistence does not come from our own effort and determination and resolve. It is related to our Christian hope. It is related to understanding of, of really the basis of life, of, of what truly matters in life. It's related to our understanding that Jesus is with us as we obey his commission, as he told us he would be. Now, as I think about this story, I really don't have great knowledge of first century social customs or the construction of first century houses either. But this story is one that has resonated strongly with me since childhood. The story is simple. It is about need. It is about persistent friends. It is about hope and healing and forgiveness. And I believe it's about me and about you in a broken world. Jesus was back in the fishing town of Capernaum and word soon spread that Jesus had returned. So everyone came, even the religious teachers. Perhaps their motives weren't the best. Maybe they just didn't want to miss the excitement. Maybe they came to criticize. Maybe they're just curious. But whatever their motives, Jesus carried out his mission. 
It says he preached the word to them. And I point that out to say that Jesus wasn't distracted from his purpose by the motives of the crowd. Because I think nothing is easier than to be distracted from the mission to which Jesus has called his people. And sometimes the distractions are things around us. Things that in the moment seem more pressing than the call of Jesus to go to hurting people with the good news. Sometimes the distractions are from within. We want to make our own lives and our own schedules and our own priorities our primary focus instead of the gospel for others. And sometimes the distractions are quite subtle. Those of you who have been in my class have had to read an article by Rick Richardson about mission trip participants. What could be better than a mission trip? Except he points out the fact that when people go with great zeal to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, they often return with diminished zeal as they face poverty and hunger and crime and prejudice and addiction. And they begin to try to respond out of their anger and out of their outrage and with humor and effort projects without the transformative power of the gospel. Sometimes we're distracted from the power of the gospel by thoughts of what we can do apart from the transformative power of God. Well, this really is one of my sort of most remembered stories from childhood. And I think the reason for that is I just think of all the times we made these little cardboard models of houses, you know, and we, with the hole in the roof that, you know, we, the paper pulls back and you have yarn with this little figure on it and you lower it down. I mean, it works. I remember all of that really well. It must have been a sight for the people who were there in the house. I'm guessing that it caused some commotion <laughs> uh, when, when the ceiling starts to open and a man starts coming down. But some amazing things happen. First of all, Jesus saw their faith. And it's interesting to me, it says their faith. It doesn't say his faith. It says their faith. Jesus saw their faith. What he didn't see was, I mean, he saw it. You don't understand what I mean. But what, what was the focus was not his paralysis. His focus was faith. His identity was not his paralysis as Jesus looked at him. Because I suspect that his paralysis characterized who he was to many people. Jesus saw their faith. Jesus saw the friends that had brought him. He saw their faith. And these friends had really changed who he was. He was more than the man who was paralyzed. He was a man who had good friends. Faith had changed who he was to the extent that he found himself lying before Jesus. He was the center of the crowd's attention. And there was something different about this man and his friends. And it was that no barrier, no obstacle, no crowd was going to keep these friends from getting this person to Jesus. And it wasn't their tenacity or their ingenuity or their destructiveness that impressed Jesus. 
It was their faith. And the one who was paralyzed was completely dependent on those persistent friends to get him to Jesus. And those friends were not limiting their service to every second Thursday night from 7.45 to 8.15 p.m. Or to the days when the road would be easy. They carried him. They pushed their way through the crowd surrounding the house. They took him up on the roof and they dug through it so they could lower him into the presence of Jesus. Which means they loved him. They loved him. This wasn't their monthly charity work. With persistent hope, they did whatever had to be done to bring this man whom they loved to Jesus. Well, the watching crowd must have been getting pretty excited at this point. They probably knew this young man. It wasn't a big town. And they were waiting for the words from Jesus that would restore his body to health and wellness. They're waiting, I suspect, to see this man jumping up and down, and and it was just going to be one of those miraculous moments they saw it coming. And Jesus opens his mouth, and you can imagine the anticipation. And Jesus says... Son, your sins are forgiven. Oh. <laughs> the crowd was not impressed. The religious leaders were upset. We didn't come to see this. We expected him to do what we wanted him to do. To follow our expectations, our customs. Why is he doing this? Who does he think he is forgiving sins? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And what I've always wondered is this, and maybe I'm really off on a tangent here, but I've always wondered, it's a small town. What sins had this man committed? Had he committed some heinous crime? Had he committed sins that the people in the crowd were not willing to forgive? Did people maybe think his paralysis was sort of just desserts for what he had done? Would they really have cared about Jesus forgiving his sins if they were not particularly upset with the sins he'd committed? I don't know. I wonder. But I know that no matter what sins he had committed, no matter what his past had been, he had these friends. These persistent friends who did whatever had to be done to get him to Jesus. And in Jesus, he encountered the grace of God. What about us? Are there people whose sins maybe we don't think should be forgiven? Are there people that, well, really, we don't like them? People who've hurt us. People who've hurt people we care about. People whom we're not willing to forgive. As we go to a broken world, we need to understand the amazing grace of our God and His willingness to forgive. In love and in persistence, will we carry people to Jesus that they may encounter God's grace? Jesus says to the people, Which do you think is easier? 
to say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk. In other words, healing the man's paralysis was not nearly the miracle that the forgiveness of his sins had been. As important as it was for the man to be able to walk. And it was important. Physical needs are important. The spiritual transformation that began that day would be of infinitely greater importance than his physical healing. But to show them his authority, Jesus said, get up, take your mat, and go home. Now, again, this was a small town. The people would have known the man and and the men who brought him, and they were amazed. We've never seen anything like this. They were impressed that the man was healed of his paralysis, but Jesus said, the far greater miracle is the forgiveness of sins. In a world of broken people, we are called to persistent hope in a gracious God who forgives sins. But we are not just called to abstract theological ideas, and we are not just called to social improvement. We are called to be those friends, those persistent friends. We are called to be friends to people who have sinned. We are called to love our neighbors. Some of our neighbors are nice people who've never hurt us, and when we love them, they'll love us back. We are called to love our neighbors, and sometimes that means loving people when it will require persistence and much effort and time and energy. Sometimes in order to love broken people, we will have to face our own brokenness and our own pride. And our own unwillingness to forgive. And in those instances, we will discover that our own efforts will not be enough. Our own efforts are never enough. And we will learn to go back to who Jesus is. And the certainty of our Christian hope. So that we can bring broken people to the grace of God.